Hello and welcome to the big kickoff on Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. It is the 27th of September and we have a hell of a lot of sport on this weekend, don't we Dave? Obviously the 2018 Ryder Cup in Le Golf National du Paris is uh, on this weekend and obviously the four ball pairings were announced. We're going to leave it be because we have confessions of a golf addict. We do. Uh, Gary is Gary coming on, on later on uh, in the final section between 22 and 10 o'clock. And then we finally found a brave soul who's going to come on um, uh, to talk Man United. Basically, a lot going on at the minute with, with, with it's just a lot of bad press with them. And uh, we finally got one to come on from Streddy News. Streddy News, uh, we have uh, Dale O'Donnell. Yeah. Who was actually on Talk Sport last night? Yeah, to, fair uh, play. Airing his grievances, so it'll be interesting to hear what Dale has to say exactly. about the, the Manchester United. It's situation. just been incessant for the last what since the season's finished, and it hasn't. Uh, it's, yeah, and from the that, summer onwards, uh, the Mourinho Pogba thing has been going on close to a year now. Well, allegedly, according to uh, do you know when BBC do the football gossip? Yeah, and it gives you the best uh, rumors of transfers. Today, when you go into it, the first ten are basically. Uh, the arguments the different arguments over the last few months what's been going on or what's caused it and two of them basically came out literally from day one he wasn't happy with him with the way remember he introduced it with this high yeah. five or handshake with a cackle apparently from day one he hasn't been happy about that aspect of it so he's he's always he's already, he's already from day one had a bit of a a bit of a thing so it'll be interesting so yeah we have Dale coming on to talk all things Man United what's going on at the minute yeah it'll be fun times yeah um what have we got on today's show then? Other well, than it's that? weird. I, I, I was about to go right, right a cup and I was like, no, I'm going to leave it. But the parents have been made for the four balls in the morning. We'll leave it at that. It's all exciting. We'll go through it all uh, later on. Um, FIFA. FIFA 19 is out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I never even thought of FIFA that. 19. I don't know whether... It, is it what I'm... Last year, it seemed to be everywhere I looked. I don't know whether I'm looking at the same things. If I skip the generation now or I'm looking at different websites or whatever, but I'm not, it's not in my face as much this year. Players yeah. aren't holding up the cards. I, I don't see the Premier League players in, involved as much. Yeah. Now, if they are, it's not what I see. But last year, every other day there was something on or there was a player holding up his card or messing and joking about it. So I don't know whether there was an active Premier League partnership last year. Because I know there's a big push with the La Liga this year, and I think the Chinese Super League is in it this year. And yeah. Maybe they're spreading themselves more across the world. But I just noticed it, it was more in your face last year compared to this year. Well, the first thing my brother said to me today was, I bought Pro Evolution. Ooh. So he switched sides. Ballsy. Yeah, no, he, said, he, See, he was actually, out early as well. It was out at the start of September. And he said, obviously, I've heard this a couple of times, uh, FIFA were catching up, but he says, yeah, the gameplay is much better. And obviously yeah. they don't well, they were obviously going to do it at some point. All the stuff around it, the, the, the bells and whistles. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, what, Pro, Pro was king uh, 15 years ago, 20 oh. years gameplay. It was king. It was, it, the names were irrelevant. It was just a far better game to play. And then FIFA got their act together and, of course, having all the licenses. And by all accounts... Pro are fighting back and obviously losing the Champions League and the Europa League is a big thing and this, that and the other. It's been out since Tuesday. If you bought like the Champions Edition and the Ultimate Edition, which I've managed to play, I've played a bit of it. It's good. It's great crack, but I'm kind of waiting for tomorrow because it'll come alive and everyone's going to be on and the Ultimate Team starts again. And oh, I'm already fretting over it. Did Opening you, every pack and oh, who the hell is journey that's in, in, in the game? Yes, yeah, the final episode. Did you finished that yeah I did so basically the first one it's no matter what it's a route to the cup final in the first one you play uh, whatever club you play you end up getting to the FA Cup final and will you be the star of it then last year he ends up going out to LA Galaxy and then you come back you show good form and then you come back and you have a choice of playing for I think it's Atletico Paris and Bayern and then you have to partner up with a player it's all about partnering up with one of these stars 
and obviously I picked Paris and Griezmann and uh, then this year apparently he ends up with Real Madrid and obviously now the fact that they have the Champions League final I'd be shocked yeah. if the final game is not going to be Real Madrid in the Champions League final Yeah, yeah but yeah. his sister is involved in it this year and his best mate Danny Williams is involved so you'll play as the three of them at different stages so no doubt there might be another injury scare because there's always an injury scare so there's no deviating <laughs> no deviating for you you're going straight down FIFA route again I know yeah it's just they're coming back they're fighting they're doing a big job on that as well with Pro with the, their kind of version of Ultimate Team and the legends obviously Beckham is a big one this year they have him because um you know yourself, you can pack different uh, ex-legends and Jared and Lampard are in it this year yeah. in FIFA. And I think they have Jared one point more. So whoever the FIFA people are, that was a big, oh, they, they rate Jared that's slightly bit higher. But if you look at their stats, they're almost exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. But he's just one point more. Um, Skulls is in it this year. There's a couple of classics that have been kind of the last people who have just retired recently are in it. So it's a bit of fun. But yeah, the Pro Evolution got Beckham and he's been kind of the face of it in a few different places and a few adverts. So it's it's a war. But maybe that's why it's been a bit quieter this year. Maybe because Pro are pushing back. You wouldn't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe. But the funny one is, sorry, because this has been very long with it. The funny thing is um, when you do the career mode and you try and bid for a player and you bid 20 million, here's your wage. And then it was yes or no. It was that was it, but now they actually have a little scene where the player goes in and the manager's on one side and he's with the agent. But Peter Check, if you're Peter Check and you're trying to buy him, he comes in in a suit, but he's wearing a skull Still cap. Still wearing it. <laughs> Brilliant. I have no idea she what it was know done. Who on, he was? I have no idea if it was done on purpose. No idea if it was an accident or they've just left it in for fun. But Peter Check tweeted today. He goes totally wrong. I would have wore a tie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's out tomorrow and everyone will be back uh, goggly eyed. Brilliant. Listen, the words were on last week, the ones oh. that I loathe. They, they were the ultimate uh, pain in the... I nearly said something there, but they were, they were ridiculous. They're so... They're so... What are they? The FIFA Best Awards? Yes, yes, the FIFA And they're Best just so... Awards. Listen, everyone... It's, it's like when you bring your kids to play school, everyone gets a medal. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Courtois got best goalkeeper but wasn't in the best team. That doesn't make Makes sense. Makes no sense. Uh, Salah was second or third overall and then yeah. doesn't make the team, but then they give him best goal. And it was it wasn't even his best. It probably wasn't even his best goal. Yeah. Um. And then there's two outrageous overhead kicks by Bale and Ronaldo. Like I'm well, surprised I did, Ronaldo didn't get it. But I do. Oh, he's in the team. So. I believe that there can only be one pair competition, or they have categories that can only can go into it. So once Ronaldo's was put in there, Bale's couldn't go in because uh, they have. Oh, you only let one overhead or one long no, range. No, no, no. One from the women's section. One from amateur section. One from Champions League <sighs> section. So Salah was the male the goal of the year so to speak it may have been a league goal of the year maybe it no to have it the european leagues kind of section or whatever so yeah Did you hear that? no so seriously there's music in the back of my ears anyway <laughs> there you go. is there i don't know <laughs> maybe it's just there's voices in my head but uh, yeah it was very very strange that the t- everyone's going crazy about danny elvis pretty much missed nearly the whole season and um, he's still in. He's still in right back. Uh, Varane, like, some of them are fairly straightforward and stuff. But yeah, Ronaldo and Messi were always going to be in it. But it's very frustrating. De Gea is in. I have absolutely no issue with that. But how do you pick a best goalkeeper and then they're not in the best team? Yeah. It's very strange. And that's not being bitchy because he's United. It's nothing to do with that. It's just a weird, weird reward. And of course, FIFA are giving out now because Ronaldo and Messi didn't show up. But they're obviously not showing up because they weren't in the... They yeah. probably weren't in the oh, running no, because they were obviously told. So no, they were told. Everyone knew. It's and based on a season. Like, it's... 
you know, some lads did well. World Cup year as well. Argentina weren't that great. You know, Messi's probably not going to win it. Yeah. Ronaldo's definitely in with a shout because he finished the season off quite strong and obviously World Cup or whatever. So Modric was always going to be in the mix and the French boys were always going to be in the mix. So, look, but Griezmann was nowhere to be found. You know, there's a few funny ones. Who do you, who do you reckon Martin O'Neill voted for? One, two, three. I looked at Messi's purely because I, like Ronaldo never votes from hardly ever does and I know Messi put him in I can't remember second or third Martin O'Neill right is, are they both at the minute or just one Martin O'Neill oh who Ronaldo and Messi they are both in they're both in so who would be A another probably Kante or something Modric uh, Messi first Ronaldo second and Salah third oh so fairly straightforward Seamus Coleman go and have a go ooh Seamus Coleman somebody from the Premier League I presume now, he did have Ronaldo and Messi in, but and somebody from the they Premier were League? second and third. Somebody from the Premier League? They were second and third. Think about it. But was oh, second and third. Who was first? Modric. Modric. Yeah. Oh, he went he for Modric. Modric, yeah. And Ronaldo went for... I know he didn't vote for Messi. I wouldn't have a problem with it this year now, to be honest. No. But uh, some years you're like, ah, come on, me. I, it's a lot. See, this is why I don't like these. Yeah. Because a lot of them are voting for their pals. And if Ramos is voting... Hugo Lloris voted for Ram. As war player, but I don't see a problem because he actually was really. Well, really they were sure of a do, but it's just a bit funny sometimes when you see some of them. But like, it, I like that that they're not the sheep. Hence, why right back, oh Danny Alves, you don't even think. Yeah, you don't even think. Like Jesus, um, Mounier played well for Belgium in the World Cup, and uh, Pavard played well for France. And oh no, we go with Danny Alves. You know, it's, it's it's a bit lazy. It's like Marcelo's always left back now, kind of deserved sometimes, but Modric voted for Anne as well, so. You know, I, it goes to show you, obviously, when you're on that field, it, he looks a colossus as yeah, well. Yeah, he, and he was excellent in the yeah. World Cup. Excellent. And the good thing about him as well, like he's very, as much as centre-halves, if you don't really remember him too much, it's a good thing probably as a defender because yeah. if you remember them, mostly it's because, oh, they're a bit dodgy. Yeah, well, you remember you know bits I mean? of him because they were tested a little bit in the World Cup. Yeah. And when he was tested, he, yeah, you know, he came through shining lights. It's hard to know with the Premier League without going into anything else uh, who actually can challenge Liverpool and Man City because it doesn't look like anyone else can. Oh, sorry. It's just a bit... Oh. Uh, no, like at the moment, currently on current form, without a shadow of a doubt. It's a little bit upsetting. Obviously, we'll talk about United. Yeah, uh, but it's a little bit upsetting because Liverpool actually look strong, as you said to me on the way in, coming off the bench. And yeah. you're kind of hope they have a bit of a squad this year. They have a bit of a squad, Liverpool yeah. for say the last ten years have always kind of had that just about a decent eleven, and then when one or two go pear shaped, and then last year was the same. Once Salah and Manny went missing, it was a lot dodgy. Now they're not. There is a gulf in class, but at least there is some more options now, and certainly in midfield, defense. If if anything, defense is the one. They've yeah. just got the four. They've yeah. got a, a great back four. Because basically the defence that was in last night was the defence that they were trying to change. Matip, Lovren, Moreno and Klein. Yeah. Klein was okay. Moreno still looks like he's plenty of mistakes in him. Lovren, now he can't fault Lovren, he's the best defender in the world. Yeah. You yeah. know, simple as that. Matip always looks nice in the ball, but I don't know. It's, it, it, he's one of them under the radar kind of defenders. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say he's bad, I wouldn't say he's brilliant. He he's just, a good header though, did yeah. it last weekend? Yeah, yeah I, he's header. one of them. He's right in the middle. Um, 
I, I don't know whether he's a great defender or, or just a... But it's funny how someone like Van Dijk who'll come in and start talking to people would actually organise players yeah, around yeah. him. You know, and all of a sudden those players... And you're looking at Andy Robertson as arguably one of the best around, let alone... Yeah. And he just and he's coming from Little Old Hole and whatever. And then Interesting uh, because... Alexander Arnold looks as strong as he does. When he came in and he, he he didn't put him in straight away, it's a bit like very, very Fabinho now, he hasn't put him in yeah. straight away. There's certain players he just won't put in straight away yeah. until they're ready, maybe. Yeah, and it was interesting last night... Um, bit messy for the first while two teams made eight changes between Liverpool and Chelsea um, and you can see that that there was a bit of that and Fabinho was there he looked okay but he's definitely a sitter he very much sits there and kind of sits in the pockets looking for the ball and he very much likes to try and break it down but he won't be a box to box key to as I've said to you earlier he, he's a bit of a caged animal you look like he looks like there's a bundle of energy in there it's just let it out now you know you've you've been finding your way into it now but just let go and have a have a crack and let's see what this because he came with a bit of hype. He yep. really he, he did come with a bit of hype. Yep. Milner was doing as usual. Um, City, City. What about him? What do you think? What oh, make Phil Foden's the new Iniesta. Well, I tell you, listen, he, 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 was, he shows a lot he of performed well in the last couple of games that I've seen of him. It's interesting to yeah. see the squad rotation that they're using, and they're all fitting in seemingly. Yeah. I hope to see much more of him because um, he was very impressive. Obviously, playing for England, full of confidence. And then you kind of say to yourself, we really hope he doesn't disappear now and end up playing at Brentford. No disrespect to him, yeah. playing in the Championship for a while. And then just... Be like Jack Bourne. Jeez, where is he now? Kilmarnock. Yeah. Who beat Celtic at the weekend. And he was the next hot prospect. And I think, who was it? Um, uh, Chelsea. Josh McGeckron. Yeah, you would yeah. have heard of his name. At Chelsea. But yeah. he, said it's, it, he said, obviously, it's from personal experience, but he thinks it's the hardest club to make it yeah, it's a, yeah. he said it's near on impossible you get up there and then it's like yeah if you don't impress almost the media you're gone and I don't know where I think I presume he's in the championship but yeah. Patrick Bamford he was the same yeah. uh, plenty of them and there's about 60 of them out on, on loan across Europe and with Vitesse Arnhem yeah. so it is it's, it's, it's a tough old slog and I think Foden has a shot I just hope he gets enough minutes this year if not he's going to have to go out and get it but you'd be afraid if he goes does he get back to that level or when does he because uh, he looks like a hot prospect. Um, and speaking else, in last my last bit of um, football news, Germany are after getting the Euros, Euro 2024. Did they? I didn't hear that. <laughs> Literally this morning, it was the first time I heard about it. Didn't uh, hear it. I've been out the vote will be day. out uh, before lunchtime between Germany and Turkey. Right. And this is Turkey's third failed bid in a row. Yeah, see, what's going on there? It's probably the area, without being disrespectful, because yeah. it's literally, you've got the European side and then you're right on the border with the Middle East and stuff. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, when yeah. push comes to shove, now Germany don't have to do anything. I was looking at it. They've the 10 stadiums, they're all ready, they're all done because of the last World Cup. But yeah. I've seen a tweet from an English guy today, it was very funny. In the last, say, 40 years or whatever, Germany have hosted two Euros and two World Cups and we've hosted the same amount of tournaments as Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so England will get their shot sometime anyway. Well, they've got the final for 2020. Maybe. And semis, I think. Okay, we'll talk to you back after the break. Broadcasting to Lucan, this is Liffy Sound. 96.4 FM With drama and negativity following Manchester United on a weekly basis, it's no wonder they are already eight points off Premier League leaders Liverpool. Only this week, the Mourinho-Pogba feud escalated on to an all-new level of dysfunctionality. Joining us from the award-winning Manchester United blog and news site, Straighty News, is Dale O'Donnell. Dale, welcome to the big kickoff. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Listen Dale, 
let's take a look back at the moment. In 2016, Jose Mourinho signed along the dotted line to become the third manager to take over at Old Trafford since Alex Ferguson decided to retire. Paul Pogba also made a return in the exact same year. Do you remember what your initial thoughts were on each of them arriving back? Yeah, of course. I was buzzing. You know, there was this sense that after Ferguson, we had the, the horrible appointment of David Moyes, which predictably went poorly. And then we had the Van Gaal, which I was excited about. and That didn't go too well either. But Mourinho was the manager that I wanted to replace Ferguson from when, 2013 from when he retired. And then the, the signing of Pogba. You know, that's a player that we should never have let go in the first place. And, you know, he was a superstar coming back. And we were all expecting to get this massive lift. You know, one of the best managers in football, bringing in one of the potentially best central midfielders around today. And to be honest, it just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened for Mourinho. It hasn't happened for Pogba, especially Pogba, I would say, because... You know, the standard that he's been playing at has been way below what we expected. Whereas Mourinho, when he came in, I think it was a matter of the club was in a bad situation. He was in a bad situation, but together there was a feeling that maybe they needed one another. Yeah. Um, But look, Mourinho, when he went to Madrid, had the same problems with players, blamed everyone but himself. He went back to Chelsea, same situation again. And at Manchester United, when we win the odd week, it's all about Mourinho. But when we lose, it's everyone about Mourinho. So, look, we've seen this trend before. It's frustrating. And as a fan, uh, I've had enough of this circus. That's interesting enough there. But be honest now, before he came... What would your opinion have been of Mourinho? Would you have been a fan of him or was it more... Massively. Yeah? Even um, when Mourinho was at Chelsea, there was always something about Mourinho I always mm. admired. Um, the way that people would kind of question that, but that sense of arrogance, I think, kind of belongs to a big club like Manchester yeah. United. Um, and it should give players that kind of lift that, look, it's, it's us against the world. Um, and I like that, but it, it works when you're winning. Yeah. When you're not winning, you look silly. Um, yeah. And I think that's very much the case now. And I think he's picking battles, unnecessary battles with people, that it's, it's just a recipe for disaster. Um, and we, we, we know Pogba and Mourinho don't get along. They happened for over a year now, with Mourinho publicly bashing him last season. Uh, but, but Pogba hasn't made things easy for himself. And, and what, what I always say is, with a football club, there's no democracy. You have the manager, and he what he says goes. And some of the question, well, if, if Mourinho can go public, why can't Pogba? Because Mourinho's the boss. And what the boss says goes, and I'm a firm believer of that. I don't. Player power is a dangerous game. And if, if Manchester United decide to sack Jose Mourinho now and think that Pogba is going to turn around and become the best midfielder in the world again, that's not going to happen. And if you're going to get rid of Mourinho, you have to get rid of Pogba too. I, I, I firmly believe that. Dale, 
can we point the finger to any single moment that started the kind of fracture between Mourinho and Pogba in their relationship? Is there, is, is there sort of just basically his performances that have irritated Mourinho and it's grown from there? I think so. I think it could have to do with, with performances and I guess with the, the whole... Um, I've no problem with players on social media, mm. but when you have a player... He should be performing a lot better than what he is. And he's gloating on social media that he's just ready made superstar. I think that will um, test the waters with the likes of Mourinho. And it, it's only a matter of time before tensions rose. Um, so look, I, I think it's a lot to do with Pogba's demeanour. that he thinks he's a, a superstar. When really, at a club level, although he was with a great Juventus team, he hasn't done anything. Um, right, he, he's won the World Cup now with France, but at club level, he, he needs to prove himself still, and he hasn't done so. And after rec- after club breaking the record to bring him back to Manchester United, um, and with I think the influence of his age, and like, let, let's get him straight too. By the way, we we were reliably told before Pogba joined Manchester United that his preference was to join Real Madrid, and there was also clubs there like City. Uh, and Barcelona sniffing around. But Rayola, his agent, made it clear to Pogba the whole story going to the return to Manchester United, the whole commercial branding of Pogba. It, it, it was a perfect story. Um, and what he was convinced by doing is going to Manchester United for three years and then getting his move to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Now, Barcelona are currently linked to Pogba. But if you watch Pogba week in, week out, and you think that he's a Barcelona player. Dale, you're agreeing with Jamie Carragher here a lot, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Like, Pogba, at the end of the day, might have his differences with Jose Mourinho. Mm. And look, look, I have no problem with, it, with a player having a difference with a manager because in every walk of life, you might not get on with your boss. But that's not to say you disrespect the, the club the fans that pay, that pay your wages, and, and the manager at a public level. I think when you do that, you're into deep waters and it, it's hard to return. The Pogba knows week in, week out, the more he talks after games and when he suggests that he can't wait for the next international break, that's shown a lot of disrespect to not only the club, but the fans. Mm. So... Um, would the board, in say this continues on for a little bit, a little bit longer, and they're starting to slip potentially away from your top fours, will they back the manager or, let's be honest, the cash cow that is Pogba? You see, the, the club have briefed um, previously that that any player doesn't buy into Mourinho's way would would, would be almost axed their soul. Mm. Pogba is in, in a move away from Manchester United, and I, I believe. Ed Woodward and the club are aware of that, mm. but they're certainly not going to show themselves that they're going to push him out of the door because of that commercial power he holds. Yeah. And that itself, as a Manchester United fan, is really, really worrying. Yeah. That the club, the hierarchy, prioritise commercialism over on-field matters. And we're looking at different clubs here. Manchester United make more money than any club in England. Sure. Every single one, any club in England does not compare to Manchester United. So why are Manchester United not number one? Why yeah. is it that 
Mourinho, if you ask Mourinho, he, he, he might come back for a comment and he might say, well, I finished second last season. whoop de do. Who cares? <laughs> Manchester United are number one, should be number one. And you look at Liverpool and you mentioned they are eight points above us. They are because they're being run like a football club. And they have, they have the right people in there. Jorgen Klopp, the football manager, is getting the most out of his players. In the past few weeks at, uh, at Manchester United, we've seen Wolves come to Old Trafford. We've seen a championship outfit, Derby come to Old Trafford. And they play the most successful team in England. So, we, we can all say that we don't like Marine said football. Fair enough. But that's how football can be successful. He's not getting the best out of the players. Yeah. Do you think that the board is the main problem within the club? Do you think that Ed Woodward and the, the, the business type people are holding back the footballing uh, situation? Yeah. With, with Mourinho, I suppose, as you said, Pogba's the poster boy. Mourinho, uh, it's known that he wanted to get rid of him in the summer and couldn't. Do you think that there's not really... He's a head coach, as he said, more than a manager. Look, 100%. This dates back to the Glazers, the very, very top, uh, and, and, and to the bottom, to the players and, and everyone. Everyone takes responsibility here. Absolutely everyone. But it, that, it makes it complicated because we know we're not gonna, the Glazers are going nowhere. They, they're going to make this cash cow for as long as they can. They've, they have Edward Wood in a role who is not a football person, he's a business, a very successful mm. business person, making football decisions. He is deciding against targets Mourinho identified. Yeah. Now, that's like asking me to be an accountant for a major firm. I, <laughs> I would be out of my depth massively. Um, and he shouldn't be allowed to do that. So, there's so much needs to be done. But I do think the situation with Mourinho, the situation with Pogba, that it's gone so far that there's no return and the whole club needs a makeover um, and perhaps the director of football needs to come in before a new manager is brought in so they can be on the same sheet um, but there's just one more thing about the Mourinho and, and Pogba which has really frustrated me in the past few days is after the match um the other week, um, Mourinho said there was no, or before the match, there was no issue with him and Pogba. Hmm. That there was, there was no problem. Now, he is trying to make a fool out of everyone by saying that everybody and their dog knows that it's a problem with Mourinho and Pogba. And I'm looking back to people who said, oh, he's not going to go public about it. He should. He really should go public about it because Alex Ferguson did it with Wayne Rooney when he tried to engineer a move hmm. away from Manchester United. And what that does, it tells the fans that the manager is with them, it's the player that wants out. Mm. And the, 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 the fans will stick by the manager if that was the case, but instead Mourinho is letting this drag on. And every time we see clips of training, we're looking out for these incidents now. Yeah, but do you, do you not think, though, that the hierarchy uh, wouldn't look down fondly on him? calling out a player that they want to keep, mm. as I said. The, yeah. the, the, the financial aspect of Paul Pogba around Manchester United. Look, you're spot on because I, 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 it's been, been said to Mourinho to, to keep his cards close to his chest. But let's look back to when Mourinho first came to England and the reason what, what made him the special one 
was a certain edge. It's long gone. Mourinho is a manager that's probably not, not the best tactician of all time, but it's all the two of man management and power. And he gets the best out of his players. He got the best out of his players at Porto, at Inter Milan, the first time at Chelsea. When you take that power away, and he hasn't got control over all players, I've seen the second set at Chelsea, I've seen at Real Madrid, and I've seen now at Manchester United. He's not the same manager. Yeah. So I'm thinking you're spot on in saying that his hands have been tied behind his back. But I want a bit of swagger from Mourinho. Yeah. I want I want the Mourinho that that I fell in love with <laughs> years ago that had that edge, had a bit of bottle. That's not yeah. the Mourinho I see now. And possibly, possibly he's lost a bit of that aura as well. You know, these are the next generation, I suppose, compared to 15 years ago when he first came in. Like, they get bored a lot quicker and maybe when he when he comes in now and he is a lot more dour than what he was back then and, you know, a lot of them potentially make their mind up quite quick. Um, it's just funny. From day one, it just hasn't happened. If I'm, since when he came back to Chelsea, the, the, the spark was gone. And I think, personally, I think his tactic... Bit like Benitez and a few others at that time, that was successful, and that's why your Guardiola's of this world are more attacking because they go at that type of tactic now, and now that's winning. I think it's regardless of the swagger. I think Mourinho needs to rip up his his playbook. Well, I had hope that his approach to the football, the way he plays football, would would have altered slightly yeah. when when the, the new coaching staff came in in the summer with um, Kieran McKenna, a fellow Irishman, uh, from Armagh, and Michael Carrick came in. Now, Kieran McKenna is, is highly rated in football as a coach. You know, he took him from, from Spurs, and Spurs weren't happy about it. He managed it, or he looked after the under-18s last season and did really, really well. There was high hopes between people that they knew a lot about the United's youth system and that he was going into the first team. And Alex Ferguson, for example, often changed He's assistant manager, and it often changed the way United played. Like Carlos Queiroz, before we won the the European Cup in 2008, mm-hmm. um, seriously influenced the way the team played with a three prolonged attack in Europe. So you had Rooney, Ronaldo, and Tevez. Um, and funnily enough, look at Liverpool last season in Europe, and that three prolonged attack again. You know, mm-hmm. attacking football. Like if Mourinho was playing a brand of football now. They had a sense of identity. The fans could hold on to more seconds now. Yeah, I think it's that the results aren't coming, the results at the moment are dire. The attitude around the club is dire. His demeanour during the summer was dire. And the football itself is absolutely atrocious at times. So is the, is the problem then that there's no cohesion between the hierarchy and the manager uh, in Torn, then there's no cohesion tactically on the pitch between the manager mm. and the players. And then when you look at the players that are brought in, there's very few of the players that Mourinho brought in that have been successful. There's probably more that have struggled. Yeah, but yeah, maybe. And I think a lot of them too might have come in, like Eric Barry, who I think first season was fantastic. Looked yeah. like looked like a prospect of potentially become one of the better defenders in England, but all of a sudden last season they had a fallout because he wasn't well, couldn't play, and was, was, was ditched from the team. And, and that is down to Mourinho, and it, it just goes back to 
an interview John Terry did with Sky Sports a year or two ago, that when you're injured and you're a Mourinho player, he literally ignores you while you're out of the team. He, 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 he doesn't want anything to do with you. And I think that is an issue with, mm. with players nowadays. We, we have to realise the footballers today, footballers 10, 15 years ago, there's a big difference. Yeah. You know, even 20 years ago, like we're seeing this with the, with the Irish team at the moment and the way coaches um, deal with players. You need to be super careful nowadays and you need to keep players on, your, on the good side because otherwise you're, you're fighting and losing battle. You see, we might slag off Jordan for being over dramatic after <laughs> throwing a home to, to West Brom and, and hugging the players. And but lad, the players love it. But the players love it. You, you get an arm on your shoulder and you're told, well done, yeah. keep it up. It's small things like that. and hmm. The likes of Roy Key and maybe Martin O'Neill took a lot of their influence from, from Brian Clough. And I think in, in, in the day, in the football nowadays, Brian Clough wouldn't last a month. No. You know, a great manager in his day, but it's his demeanour and the way he perhaps he treated players. And, could, and, and could that be, team. sorry, Dale, could that be why Mourinho is struggling now? Is his time drifting by his successful okay, time? Look, it's a hard one to answer that because if you, a lot of players have played for Mourinho when he was successful, especially at Chelsea like Lampard and that, they idolise him and they, they love him. Um, so I can't say that Mourinho treats every player poorly because there's so many players out there that suggest otherwise that he was the great manager they ever played under. And When, when Mourinho gets it right with, with his successful teams, it always appears that the players would die on the pitch for him. Yeah. And you can look at this, the football has a change, whether it's a good or bad thing, but... If he can't get the best out of his players with that type of attitude, I think what you're saying, I think you're right, is he, he needs to change his ways. Um, and like, there's, there's no point going into, a, going into a job and acting in a way that you know won't be a success, you know? What is the ideal resolution, just to finish on? Uh, I wrote a tutorial there yesterday, and I, I'm going to stick by it, even though I know it's not going to happen. Now, but I think the idea of the situation is that both Paul Pogba and Joe oh, Zimmerino yeah. um, clean slate Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, I, I don't think you can just pick one or the other, it's, it's either both stay yeah. or both go kind of yeah. thing. My, the, my, my, my problem with that there would be that yes that's the short term problem out of the way so you've got two big yeah. problems out of the way yeah. but the next manager that comes in may find uh, the frustration situation of working with a board that decide on who they're going to bring in and maybe not fit into you know a team select that might actually yeah. work together and blend well, together Ferguson always said it and I've spoken to players that, um, that played with you under Ferguson and they also played to evolve with the day-to-day running of the club. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I, I, I believe it, but th- th- their ownership has a lot to say, their model, and their model is not Manchester United to win league titles or to even challenge at a champion Champions League at the, mm. at the very end. Their model is top four, to simply qualify for Champions League and, and to get over that line. Now, you put that into a Manchester against a Manchester United manager, Jordan, when you're a reckless winner. 
Yeah. He wants to win, win, win. Mm. That's a clash of two different ideologies. And I think you're, you're absolutely spot on that the next manager comes in will have to also deal with that. Um, and also deal with Ed Woodward thinking that maybe after a manager mode or two on FIFA, he has a, a higher say in, in which centre-backs Manchester United should sign. Yeah. You know, uh, he's the one that said no to... You know, um, to a number of signings, and for instance, something that I've been reliably told before the um, the World Cup, United were quoted something like 30, 35 million for Harry Maguire. That went up to 80 million after the World Cup. <laughs> thank God, thank God that didn't happen, huh? <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, when when you're quoted as such a low figure, and then you go back after the World Cup, say, you know what, we take that. Well, no, it's 80 million now. That's when a club is immediately on the back foot, and you need someone in there to say, right, we want him now. If he's a good World Cup, he's going to go, we need to get him now. And there's no one there thinking like that. The board itself, if you take a look at the board, it's full of business people. There's not enough football people. And, and and that's a massive that, that's the that's probably the biggest problem of all yeah now okay yeah. Dave, we're gonna have to leave it there i talked to you all day it exactly. seems uh david's loving depressing. it david's a liverpool no, fan so actually, he's loving it it's just depressing <laughs> what i look at you know they're a lot bigger and better than that and it, it yeah. is it actually is embarrassing now at this stage yeah. and i i i want to see a change we will uh, we'll get contact with you again dale uh, and thank any you. future developments we'll, we'll we get you back on and we'll have a good old chat again okay cheers thank you. cheers thanks very much dale talk to you bye-bye so, there what a you dark go. cloud, Man United are. That is, it's an uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll talk about the Ryder Cup. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. It's time to spread a bit of sunshine. <laughs> God, Man United are depressing. Oh, they? Christ. Huh? Yeah. Anyhow, we, 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 we'll leave Man United there. Listen, the Ryder Cup is set to get underway tomorrow morning with Europe looking to win the trophy back off the Americans at France's Golf National. And this time, they'll have to contend with an informed Tiger Woods. Joining us on the line to discuss all things Ryder Cup is Gary O'Neill from the Facebook page, Confessions of a Golf Addict. Gary, welcome to the big kickoff. How you doing? How are things, right? Great stuff, Gary. There's nothing quite like the tension, the excitement, the drama of the Ryder Cup. It always seems to muster up everything inside you, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. The fact that it's only once every two years, you know, you kind of have a build-up and a lead-in for nearly two years, to be honest with you, yeah. that you're thinking about. It. And yeah, the fact that um, the Americans are the holders at the moment, but we're back in Europe. Yeah, the excitement is really building up to, um, yeah, a lot right now. The teams, when the teams came out originally... Did anyone surprise you? Um, well, not on your upside. Uh, his hands were tied completely with five rookies in the team. Five rookies by name more than by skills and what yeah. they achieved in the game. But like the fact that he had five rookies out of his top eight, um, he had to pick experienced guys who have played on the, on the Ryder Cup. Um, it was as simple as that. America, nah. Look, I think they were as obvious as you know they could be. Like you know, There was no way he wasn't going to pick Tiger. At the time, and now, obviously, look what he's doing. Uh, Phil, Phil, although it was an obvious pick, his form has been pretty average yeah. over the last couple of months, if not longer. So, you know, he won there a few months ago, but he hasn't been on form. So he could be a bit of a tricky one now. He's not playing the first round, but they say, or the first uh, tee times, but they do say that his foursomes, which is, in my opinion, a lot harder, yeah. his record is much better than the four balls. So that was a bit oil. Do you think he'll go out in the afternoon? Yeah. That, that's what they're saying. Like, 
look, I suppose in this day and age, they have stats for everything. They yeah, know exactly yeah. how to play. They know exactly how good they are and what they do. They know what their birdies are like, etc., etc. So they're probably looking at Phil saying, well, your record is far better at foursomes yeah. than it is foursomes. And the other thing with foursomes, I think, as well, with Phil is, everybody calls him Phil the Trill for a reason because he's out there and he just plays crazy shots. But yeah. with foursomes, he's now playing with another man and only one ball. So you've got to be a little bit more... Place reserved, reserved, yeah. And you've got to play a little bit more strategic. So, yeah, so in terms of picks, now I, I think it was kind of obvious on both sides who they were going to go. Sergio, maybe, but I think last weekend he played pretty pretty well and he finished very well so yeah. you know he was the only one maybe but again experience you had to go experience I think Are Europe a little in, across certain sections of the media are they being a bit short changed or is there a distinct golfing class between the teams I think anybody who thinks Europe are not that great are living on a different planet Come on Gary If you look well here's the thing is right Torbjorn Allison has a, his his um, his official goal, uh, world ranking is 45, right? So he's the lowest guy out of both teams. Okay, yeah. The Americans have, I think they're in top 25 yeah. kind of guys. Europe have two guys outside the top 25. Correct. That's it. So like, if people are saying that Europe aren't that great, they're deluded. If you mm-hmm. look at all of the players, every single player has either contended or won this year. And some of them have won more than one tournament. Yeah. So like, you know, I think it's I think it's delusion. It's simple delusion. Like, yeah, Americans look good and they've got all these great players. But they do play, in all fairness, on the PGA Tour all the time, yeah. which has more higher-ranking points. So, like, you know, you're, of course you're going to be... In my opinion, I think at some stage they should just have a global tour. That'll change it all anyway. Uh, True. That's the it is anyway. But, yeah, I think they're being very, very vastly underrated. And, you know what? Thankfully, that's the case. So, we're going to open a few eyes tomorrow. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> I wish there was a better chance for Europe. <laughs> oh, here, listen. Here, I can keep going all night if you want. <laughs> Listen, out, out of rookies, who do you think uh, will thrive and who do you think might struggle? Okay, let's see. America, their three rookies. Three rookies would be Justin would be Thomas, Justin Thomas Tony Finau. And Tony Finau. So I think if anybody's going to struggle, it'll be um, Bryson DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because when he's up, he's up and he's phenomenal. But when he's down, he's down and he's way yeah, down. Yeah, he's seen it the Johnny had to look at him last weekend. Johnny had to look at him at the, at the Open. You know, so when he struggles, he struggles and he's off the charts. But having a team around you will help. Yeah. In terms of the Europeans, like when you look at each one individually, like like they're just so good. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Tony Allison is way underrated, mm-hmm. vastly underrated. The guy is, and he only won there recently. So like he knows what he's doing. I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm really looking forward to one guy and one guy only out of a whole lot of them. And that is uh, Terrell Hatton. I yeah. Think he's <laughs> I think he's actually off the chart bonkers. I think he's completely off the chart. Just, he's just mentally, he reminds me of me because I'm a bit mad sometimes. When he's like, <laughs> but he just, some of the stuff he says to himself, he's, he's very hard on himself. Yeah. Very hard. Like the guy is supremely talented, but he just gets down on himself. Yeah. Now, partnering Casey, I think is really going to help because he's partnered him recently in the uh, Eurasia Trophy. They've played very well on that together. So, and he's a birdie machine anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but, I don't think I, I don't worry about anybody. I don't worry about any teams. I just think, look, at the end of the day, first four, uh, the first four uh, guys out tomorrow, or first four uh, pairings out tomorrow, it's going to be a birdie fest. Keep the ball in play. You're going to play well. I was I was looking at a stat there for Tommy Fleetwood, and yeah. he's played six times on that course. He's made the cut once. That's when he won it in 2017, and again. Pop, keep it light, Sean. And then, keep it and light. then, come on. I'm, I'm on the USA side here. <laughs> and, and then this year, uh, missed the cut again. Is that something that plays in their mind? 
No, yeah. move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why now. He's won there already. Yeah, so back in your box, Daniel. Go on. He's won there. If you can win once, you can win. You can play well in the course, no matter what. Look, you don't know why people miss the cut. You don't know what what they've done. Has he travelled back from America? He just like at the end of the day, he would have he would have more than likely have travelled back from America. He probably had a few uh, weeks on on the road. He, he did say himself recently that he's played he played a lot of golf. He needed some time out, which he got. So um, am I bothered? Not a chance. He's won there. Like to go playing a field of 156 players and to win, you got to have a, a whole set of uh, cojones. He is good enough. Nah, Jesus, man, the guys. That guy has been a sensation this year as well. So absolutely not bothered by him at all. Did you get your European suit tailored? Is it, is it comfy fit. <laughs> Would you believe I have some European gear on the on the website there two years ago for the last week? I'll be wearing that in the morning. <laughs> good man, eating your cereal. So we might as well have a quick look at the morning pairings anyway. So the yeah. first kicking off at ten past seven in the morning is Justin Rose and uh, John Ram against Brooks Kupka and Tony Fino. That's a cracking start. It is. I think that's actually a favourable pairing for us more than them. Yeah. Uh, simply, simply because two two rookies out together. Now I know I, people say, "Oh, but Tony Fiena is so consistent, and Brooks has won the last two, two of the last four majors." Yeah, blah blah blah. But they're playing in Europe. They're playing on a course they hardly. Fiena knows better than the, the others, but they don't know it that well. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how long you can hit the ball. If you're off target in this course, you are gonzo. So um, yeah, I think that's going to be. I think we'll win that one definitely. Ooh. So yeah, that's no. So McElroy and Allison against uh, Johnson and Fowler. Like on paper, that's a that's a lovely pairing for America, isn't it? What for America? Yeah, no, on paper. On um, paper, do you know what? They might look at it and go, you know what? Who's this uh, Torbjorn? Well, they'll know. Let's yeah. know. World Cup, they'll know. I'm but loving this. You know what? They, they probably don't know each other. They probably don't play well together. But I think underestimate Europe at your peril in that group, especially. I think. <laughs> If America get off well and start burying early, yeah. it could be tough. Because simple fact is, it's a sprint. Match play is a sprint anyway. Like mm. anybody who plays any level of match play, regardless of what style it is, get out early, get up, mm-hmm. make them have to force their. Listen, you can only rewind back there to uh, Tiger Woods win the weekend. Was once he got up and got five shots ahead, they had to push and they were all over yeah. the place. So I think I'd so. say half a point to be a good score there for that in Europe. To be honest with you. I think so too. I'd be worried because I'm not a fan of McElroy at all. I think he's very wayward. I think he's the, the. You know, he's one of the best drivers on tour. Yeah. That doesn't make so, a difference. He's very, I'll be honest with you. Still very, he's still very. very a great point. Uh, a mate of mine made, who's probably listening right now, Tony. Uh, he's the part you, No, but you only get to see, because there's so much golf on. They, when, they, when they're showing him off the tee, they're only showing it probably because he's gone wayward and it might be only once or twice in the round. Mm. It was only last weekend because he was trying so hard against yeah. Idol and the greatest player ever played, in my opinion. And like he's always said, I want to be in the last group with a Tiger Woods playing at his best. Tiger goes bird is the first happy day, see her after. Oh, pressure. Next he's five ahead. And, oh, this, you're, trying, you're pushing. If you're, you're five behind, you've you got to push. He probably mentally got away from himself in that round because... He was too many drivers. He do, have been do you not think he, his, his mental said, okay, listen, he's, he's the top pro and all that. We're, we're talking mm-hmm. about in situations where he's been in majors, that there's an awful lot of slow starts that cost him majors. Uh, you could say the same for probably every single golfer that's ever walked the planet, so um, I wouldn't really yeah. agree with that in any way, shape or form. Only, only four majors can be won every year. So it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world to do, to be honest with you. He has chances. He had chances this year. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, this is the Ryder Cup. So... Yeah, it's a different ballgame. And we briefly touched on it, Casey Hatton then against Speed and Thomas. Thomas is struggling with a bit of tendonitis, I hear, and then Speed's very struggling. patchy. 
Yeah. Right, so Thomas's tendonitis in his wrist isn't as bad as people make out. Okay. Or, so I, I discredit that straight away. One player, I, I absolutely think we'll... I, people are worried about that forward. I think that's nearly a shoe, and I'll tell you why. Jordan mm-hmm. Speed's game has not been good this year. His button has been off the chart. Poor... <laughs> He didn't even make. He didn't even make the, the tour championship. He's True. the only American out of all twelve Americans that didn't even make that. So, like people worrying, oh JT and and, and um, Jordan Spieth. Oh my God, such yeah, great best buddies and all that. Maybe maybe a year or two ago, but right now as we speak, I think Tyrrell Hatton and Paul Casey in the form that they're in could knock them off their, their perch, and it'll be a shock. What do I think there? I think definitely half. But I think we might sneak you in that. All right, all right. So that's two. And a, so that's two and a half to a half. I'm minute. actually surprised you say <laughs> definite half and not a definite win because speed has been very matter. shaky. It's very shaky. Best, and yeah. I give everybody a chance in four, four ball because like it only takes one player to knock in a few putts the next ball. You know, you're you're just like holy crap, um, playing off the chart anyway. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. The last one is, is uh, the best to last. Reed and Woods who uh, slam dunk. No, no, no chance for your appear on this one. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Molinari is the new Darren Clark won the British Open won't see him again uh, and Tommy Fleetwood you know Mr. Cup stupid five hair so Raiden okay. Woods yeah right so let's go back to what you just said uh, with a bit of realism um, at one stage over the summer Molinari was so on form he was out playing every single golfer on the, sh- on the planet right yeah. he won three out of I think four events he finished top two in another two or three events. he was off the chart good Right, that is serious balling, that is. Like, nobody's matching that level no. right, at that stage, right? So this thing is, he, he, may not, he may not win another major, or he may win two or three more. Who knows? As I yeah. said, four majors a year, it's very hard to win. And with Tiger back, you can be rest assured he's going to probably win a few of them. So then we go on to Tommy Fleetwood Mac. My mate, Tommy, I think he's brilliant. I think the guy is just yeah. so confident. But I will say, my hero, and I have no problem saying this, I don't do what I do for a living without... Mr. Woods, Tiger. I think the, I think I think Tiger will probably beat the two of them on his own. I really do. I think he's that confident. His his arm play is off the chart. I mean, mm. off the chart good. If his putting is as good as it was the last, you know, probably tournament and a half, they're in trouble. But I will say one thing: it's a tight course. Yeah. Tiger doesn't hit the fairways; no. he'll be in trouble. Yeah. But I do think his arm play. He he won't hit like they, they reckon that the average. Round is about five drivers in this tur- in this course, and Tiger Woods is he plays Stinger all day. He plays, oh man, the guy's just so good with his arms. I, I just think he'd be, uh, but so I, I tell you what, that I would probably say more than likely a point to America, but potentially a half point to Europe. What about the course? Tell us about the course. I think the course, like the course, is unbelievable. I think it's a brilliant Ryder Cup course in, in the sense that. It's not a bomber's paradise, and look, we're all we're all obsessed with distance off the yeah. tee. Even I am. And I, like we're, we're all like, oh, I hit the ball 300, 350. 300. Look, at the end of the day, keep the ball in play. Think about your round, and make putts. Is what you want, and it's there will there will be a lot of risk and reward here in the sense that you know you might want to take on corners, and you might like even on the first tee, like it's four hundred and thirteen yards, mm. but it's a pure dog leg right. If you're long and left, you're dead. If you're left, you're dead. And if you're right too far, you're in that, that crazy roof. So, but I do think if you hit a good drive, you want to hit a big one over the corner, you can do that. So yeah. it could be you. You play down the middle. A real risk on a road course. Exactly. So I like it. And uh, look, they're the same. I just saw tonight that there could be there's going to be six thousand nine hundred in the stands, and it could be up yeah. to another three thousand around the, the first day. That's ten thousand people on the first day. Yeah, yeah. 
and every and every uh, like when you watch some of these videos and documentaries over the years and everyone talks about the famous first drive and just how nervous they all are and yeah. it's going to be impressive i think it's the biggest grandstand so far on the first tee uh, so far um it's, it's oh. nearly three times the size of the, the almost three times the size of the other next biggest two and a half times the next biggest i think the next biggest is about 2400 2600 so like they could potentially have 10,000 at this so in theory it could be nearly four times the size Jesus. Of the so team. 10 past 7 start tomorrow yeah. Nice, comfortable clothes in the morning. Are you going to stay in the one out for all day? Uh, I have to go to work in between them. <laughs> a couple of hours of work today. I, I, I couldn't. I have to book in some TT clients tomorrow. So unfortunately, I got to work. But um, no, no, I'll be in my, my Europe gear all day. Absolutely, the social media posts going up, but mainly Europe gear cheering on. No matter what happens, <laughs> USA. You should up. Turn that microphone off there. <laughs> USA. Listen, look, it will be a great event. I do personally believe Europe will win. For a couple of reasons. One, we're in Europe. America haven't done yeah. anything in 25 years. Number two, here's a crazy statistic that I heard the other day. The American players have played a maximum of 20 rounds on this course. Europe has played 283 tournament rounds on this course. That is huge. Yeah. No matter what people say, that is absolutely ginormously huge. That there alone, I think, would be the massive difference. Europe, Europeans know how to play this course. Well, they're after par and pumped. A, a huge sunshine back into the studio yeah. after that Man United dribble. <laughs> Uh, hey, listen, you want me to talk about that? I can do that. No, no, no. We've done that. We lost all our listeners. You're not. You're only talking to us. <laughs> listen, uh, no, Gary, brilliant. Thanks very much. And where that. are we going to follow you for all your shenanigans over the weekend? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, the Irish Golf Addict. You can find me on Confessions at the Golf Addict Facebook page, or you can find me on my just in my my own Gary O'Neill profile. Um, so yeah, I'm all over the place. And what are you running at the moment? Is there anything special that you're running at the moment? Um, well, I have my uh, SM2 distant training program at the moment, uh, which is my online version of my PT that I do for golfers. It helps take golfers out of pain if you've got back problems or uh, you know, you're just struggling with stiffness and soreness in your golf game. It's absolutely the program for you. Um, if anybody wants to find out where it is, it's info. Or sorry, it's um, geez, I nearly forgot what it is. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Would you believe that's bananas? Um, it's golf. Cc.com. That's T-H-E, golfcc.com. You'll find all the information on there. And um, yeah, if you're a golfer and you want help with your golf game, absolutely you can do that for you. Brilliant, Gary. Thanks very much. Pleasure, Listen, we will Come on, Europe. Hopefully, Europe. On, Europe. Hope you're right about <laughs> Europe and uh, we see it through and it's an exciting weekend because it normally is anyhow. Uh, Gary, enjoy Thanks. your weekend and uh, I hope you have something to cheer about. Thanks a million. Cheers. Talk care. to you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Gary, he... Bubbled you up a bit, didn't he? Well, I don't know whether, whether it's just because the usual, you know, you're a fan of the, your team and not that they're getting bashed, but everyone's favouring and you love an underdog. But I, ju- I genuinely think it's a it's a lot more even than people think. And hopefully, as he said, with the home advantage and this, that, and the other. Look, whatever. I definitely think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to go easily to the last hour of Sunday. With a bit of luck. Okay, we will be back next week at 9 to 10 p.m. again. The big kickoff. Glenn's listening back in this pats are still rubbish. Go on, the bows. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>